0: Hello and welcome to the 25th episode of the CCGI podcast. Our last episode featured Dr. Matt Wenzel, a chiropractor based in North Vancouver, British Columbia. The interview discussed Dr. Wenzel's case report, published in the JCCA, the Chiropractic Sports Sciences Fellowship in Canada, and implementing guidelines into practice. Today we have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Stephen Pearl.
1: Dr. Pearl joined the inaugural faculty of the University of Bridgecourt School of Chiropractic in 1991. Since that time, he's taught a wide range of courses, as well as undergraduate and graduate courses for other degree programs and in China for the University of Bridgeport. He holds adjunct appointments to the faculty in the School of Health Professions at Murdoch University in Australia. After graduating from Texas Chiropractic College in 1983, he practiced in New York City until 1991. Stephen has published more than half a dozen textbook chapters and over 30 peer-reviewed publications. His major research interests on the biomechanics and biomechanical effects of manipulation and on the quality of chiropractic care. He's been an associate editor of chiropractic and manual therapies, formerly chiropractic and osteopathy since 2008, and has been on their editorial board since 2005. He's also an editorial board member at the JCCA. Stephen's also a co-host of the iCare Chirocast podcast with Dr.
0: Dave Newell. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Uh, Great to be with you guys. Uh, we, we thought we'd better just get right into it and, and talk about uh, the podcast, because we're on one right now, and and hopefully we can share with our listeners a bit about uh, the iCare ChiroCast. Uh, for those who, who don't know what iCare stands for, it's International Clinical Alliance Research and Education, and the tagline is Conversations with Influencers. So I was hoping you could tell us a bit about uh, iCare ChiroCast and why you decided to host a
2: podcast. Well, uh, thanks for asking. And it's a pleasure to be with you guys. Um, So what happened was uh, Chiropractic Australia um, had approached me uh, previously about doing a podcast and doing it by myself and the logistics of doing it by myself was quite difficult. And then they came back again with the idea of pairing uh, Dave Newell with me. And uh, Dave and I are good friends. We feel like we're twin sons of different mothers and fathers from opposite ends of the pond. And um, I, I guess the one thing about both Dave and I is that uh, if you've read Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink, one of the things he talks about in creating movement is you need people who are, um, he calls them connectors, people who know a lot of people. And, and Dave and I appear to be connectors. We know lots of people all over the world. And so uh, it, it's easy for us to get people to come on the podcast because we know them and we can virtually twist their arms without um, – Without much trouble, and and so it it was their idea to try and do something a little bit different. You know, we we think you guys are doing a great job, and 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 I also like to shout out to uh, Dean Smith and in Cairo Science. I think we're all playing in a similar uh, vein as podcasts go, but we we all have a slightly different bent on it. And
0: uh, and and your most most recent guest, I heard the episode last night. I mean, we uh, was talking early about how the audio quality is so clear. I think you and Dean have pretty uh, pretty uh, high quality microphones. It <laughs> looks like.
2: Um, I, I I think Dave is starting to get newer equipment, but uh, <laughs> I I I have a, a podcasting microphone, and and someone I saw uh, David and I were just at the WFC Conference and Education Conference in London, and there was someone behind me and I was having a conversation. He says, "I know that voice and um, and he thinks I think the the microphone makes me um, have a little deeper voice and he says, "You should record books." <laughs> I agree, I
0: agree for sure. <laughs> yeah, certainly. <laughs> and And how do you decide who comes on the show I and mean, what what's what's your process for for deciding who who to ask?
2: Well, there's three of us that that are actually doing it. Behind the scenes is Peter Wirth from Chiropractic Australia. And and so Dave, Peter, and I just try and think of, you know, who we think would pair together well, because we always have two guests. And we're also trying to have some geographic diversity, uh, getting people from different parts of the world. And and obviously, since our sponsors are from Australia, we we are sensitive to that. We want to make sure we we feature Aussies too, and um, you, you know we just have a conversation and see who we think would would be good.
0: Well, that probably results in some awkward time zone interactions.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. That that is definitely a problem. It you know, but it, it it's something I've lived with for quite a while because uh, both uh, chiropractic and manual therapies. You know, our our, our, editor, our editors are from um, all all around the world, and we have monthly meetings. And I'm also on the executive committee of the International Federation of Sports Chiropractic. So again, we have people from all over the world, and and sometimes one of us has to take one for the team. And by that I mean a really late night or a really early morning, and uh, and, and and you know, so 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 it is. So I, I
0: mentioned the, the title of the, the podcast, but uh, maybe you can explain why it's called that, what, why it's a uh, title I care and, and why those words are, uh, are, are, have fit into that title.
2: Well, I, I guess one thing is having a, a cute name always <laughs> helps to some extent. I mean, we see this in the, in the literature now when when you have to, have to pick a, a good acronym for your study so that, you know, people can pronounce it. And um, and we worked it out in part because we thought that we wanted to hit a bunch of different topics, and 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 you know the the people we've had might fit one of those topics, but I think it's also interesting to hear them opine on on the other ones. So you know, like like recently having um, Dr. Sportelli and Quinn. So um, one we we put them we juxtaposed them because it was sort of someone who's uh, done everything and started doing everything at a young age. That 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 was Lou Sportelli, and then um, Catherine, as the president of, of the British Chiropractic Association, as someone who is early on in what we think is a career that will do everything. Well, I'd say have a vitamin N deficiencies. Um, they they don't know how to say no, and 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 so you know that's how we pick those guys. But. You know, both of them, we'd probably in the grand scheme of things say are, are fit within the, the domain of alliance of, of uh, think of that as associations, both inside and outside our profession, that that's where both of them fit. But they also had very interesting takes on the other domains. And, and, and that's why we thought we'd, we'd expand people out of their single domain. Um, that, and that's how that came about.
0: Yeah, and they're there's so intertwined, you know, the, the advocacy and and the research and clinical aspects. They they often are you know, you know interwoven with one another. And we, uh, as you can tell, Kent and I had a hard time naming
2: our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but but I but I think you guys have done that to some extent. I mean, I, you know, I I of course listen to you guys too, and 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 I listen to Dean. Um, you know, Dean's getting only researchers, but. You know, as as you said, the the last person was a clinician. You've had a few people who are who are basically full-time clinicians who talking about influencing people toward using guidelines or making their first stabs at 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 doing some kind of scholarly work. and And to say that there's hard hard lines that separate all all, all these different domains w- would be untrue. And so. Um you know, while we sort of do that within the podcast and say we're going to handle international now, we're going to handle clinical now, um, but if you really listen to the discussion, they're, they're, they're pretty broad-reaching, even within, quote, one domain.
1: All right. Uh, moving on to a kind of a different area, what is, uh, particularly your role more as a researcher and as, as a, an educator, what can you tell us about what you do with, uh, at the University of Bridgeport School of Chiropractic?
2: I teach, I, I teach and do research, <laughs> you, you know, when I am, um, I, mean, I think that's the job. When, when I, shortly, I, I, you know, I, when, when the school started in 1991, all of us who were teaching here were, were adjuncts. And then, and then I was one of the first hired in 92 for a full-time job. And, and in 92, I was on the faculty handbook committee. Um, one of the things the dean did in so, trying to sort of integrate the the school within the whole university is he put me on darn near every committee, um, which you know was a tremendous amount of work, but it was also a great learning experience for me. I really got a, a good sense of what it means to be an academic. And one of my friends still at U.B., who's in his 80s, David Kraft, he's a physicist. David said in this meeting of the faculty handbook committee, he said when asked how often should someone be on campus regardless of their teaching schedule and he said we've been given unique opportunity in life to do nothing more than learn and then share that with others and he he sort of fundamentally changed the way i thought my job to be you know i thought my job was just walk into a class and teach a class but i think you know it it, it is the, the the term often used in, the, in in the american academy is the life of the mind and so you know, we we're we're there to learn and to think about things, and 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 the the opportunities that the university has given me have been just beyond my comprehension. I never would have thought it when I first started here. So you know, I I, I do research, I teach, um, I've been in various different leadership positions within the faculty here at the university. Um, you know, I, when I talk to colleagues who have gone. Single-purpose chiropractic institutions, they they like they'll say who's the president, and I'll say well, you know, like right now our our new president, as of as of this academic year, is a Mark Twain scholar, and and they're thinking what's she do with chiropractic, and the answer is she does nothing with chiropractic. She's the president of a university with over over five thousand students, with i think it's one hundred and twenty-eight different degree programs, and 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 that's something that i think is is unusual i mean obviously uh, in in canada the the canada research chairs all of them sort of experience this to some you know they don't feel the chiropractic presence they're all in other institutions but they feel those opportunities of interacting with colleagues outside of their profession i published a study this year with one of my good friends here at ub muhammad al-azdi Dr. Al-Azdi is a PhD in mass communications, and we did a study looking at how Google News Search um, looks at uh, chiropractic and stroke. And, you know, if, if you had asked me five years ago, let alone, you know, 27 years ago when I came here, am I going to do media research? Oh, come on. You know, but it's just because Muhammad and I are friends and we were looking for something to do together. So it it, it, it is a, a different place to be at a, at a, you know, comprehensive university.
0: Now, now, given that we're on a, a podcast centered around guidelines, we have to ask you a guideline question. <laughs> uh, hoping you could tell us a bit That's about uh, a bit about the the uptake and dissemination of guidelines uh, and best practice, or best best evidence, even at at the University of Bridgeport School of Chiropractic.
2: So, so I t- well, first of all, I teach two classes in evidence-based practice here, and I and I've been teaching. I mean, if you if I'm I'm on the um, the board of directors of the Consortium for Evidence-Informed Practice Educators, and when when I talk to my colleagues who teach at the other colleges or, or or chiropractic programs around the country and around the world, um, all of us have sort of transitioned from teaching a classical cl- classical course in research methods to to the concept of evidence-based or evidence-informed practice. And so we start the students off with this, um, you know, the first week of school and and pursue that through through their whole education here. Um, you know, we were you know, I don't I don't I don't know if this is translated north of the border, but, you know, choosing wisely that the American Chiropractic Association participated in has created a lot of um, a lot of buzz online and people are not very happy with it, but. Uh, with some of the statements and in particular about r- r- radiographs, but, you know, we've been guidelines concordant regarding radiographs, um, since the, the institution, you know, since the college or, you know, the chiropractic program started here. And, and so, um, you know, we're, we're trying to graduate modern doctors of chiropractic.
1: No, that's, that's, uh, that's really great. Um, you guys are really, you know, really trying to Keep yourselves at the forefront and, and make sure that students, uh, your, your students and thus our, you know, our future colleagues are, are, are thinking about evidence and how to implement it in practice. As, so as somebody who's an educator and an author, a peer reviewer and an editor, I'm sure you have thoughts on gaps in knowledge among chiropractors. So you've also been involved in a, in a variety of really innovative knowledge translation strategies like ChiroUp and, and the iCare ChiroCast. What gaps do you see in how we engage our colleagues, and and how can we improve implementation of evidence by clinicians? Boy, I wish
2: I knew. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying my best. You know, I, I mean, I graduated from college in '83. I was a research assistant while I was in school. Um, the 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 head of the research department was new to chiropractic, and and he, he basically asked the faculty what's known about chiropractic from a research perspective, and, and and nobody could answer him. So he he sent me off to the library to find out what there was. I mean, I knew Baylor Medical School's library so well, I didn't use the card catalog generally if I was looking for a book. But um, all of that research to me had very little clinical import. And it was interesting. I mean, it's like, you know, mechanistic research, which I'm interested in uh, about manipulation ultimately has no clinical import. And so, so I saw no value in the research. And, and it's only stumbling upon a particular case changed me. Um, in 83, my first year in practice, I had a patient with central canal stenosis. And then three years later, I see a paper written by kirkaldy Willis and David Cassidy that was in uh, Canadian family physician reprinted in the American Chiropractic Association's uh, journal of the time. And... and it, there were a few cases in the series that they published that had stenosis, and you, you can't know what what's not known, but I sat there thinking, wow, if I'd only known this in 83, that would have been so useful, and it was the beginning of me seeing there was some value in, in clinical research. I consider myself lucky for that, but... If you've not, if it's not been part of your training and it's not the way you look at the world the whole time you've been in practice, I think it's very difficult to bootstrap yourself into seeing the value of research, particularly when the research might fundamentally challenge the way you've done things your whole life. And so, I I mean, I understand it from the perspective of the practitioner who's not been not sort of started their training where research matters. And I, I just find it is so incredibly hard to do the translation. Um, in 2004, the Association of Chiropractic Colleges voted to stop teaching George's test. Yet two or three years ago, I I could be teaching a postgraduate seminar, and then say, you know, how many of you out there do George's test? See, everybody raise their hand, and 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 say like. I, you know i'm, I'm not going to be nasty or sarcastic to them but I almost feel like saying hey welcome to the profession we dumped that thing 10 years ago and and so I think the podcast is one way you know i try and contribute in uh, a few um, Facebook groups to 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 show people where they might see the evidence and how it might have an impact obviously i i, I came into education in part just to help create an New generation of doctors that didn't embarrass me, as a sports chiropractor, and I was involved at a very high level when I sold my practice. the The last year I practiced, I was medical director of the U.S. Track and Field Championships, the U.S. High School Indoor Track and Field Championships, and the U.S. Cross Country Championships, and I provided healthcare and was a supervisor for triage at the New York City Marathon. But I was so often so often I encountered chiropractors who did things that embarrassed me, and I wanted to create a new generation that didn't. And, um. I, I wish I knew the way that we could shake everybody by the head, by the you know, head and say, hey, look, things have changed in the past 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Maybe you ought to
0: well i was having this discussion with clinicians over the weekend at our convention and they were saying you know it's it's easy to accept guidelines when they confirm your existing beliefs but when they start to reject you know your practice pattern st- or your practice style that's when it becomes really hairy and, and trying to actually reflect and, and uh, you know consciously make changes that maybe aren't in line with your 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 thoughts
2: oh yeah you know, I, I mean, I and and I understand it completely. You know, the if if I went through the litany of things that happened during the course of time, when I practiced full time in New York City, what the number of things that were fundamental to my practice that I just threw out the door because they were absolutely without merit. Um, you, you know, we we we'd have a stack of papers just saying, you know, with all the things I threw away. And and sometimes it was easier than others. I mean, I remember one time I'm in a car going to a chiropractic meeting with a, a friend of mine and talking about something I was teaching here at, at UB, and and he turns to me and he says, Pearl, you're still doing that? Oh, come on. The evidence for that is such crap. Why don't you get rid of it? And and he was right. And and I think it's gotten easier for me to um chuck the old. As time has gone on, that certainly but helps. It's not, <laughs> but, but, it's, but it's not easy, in, just inherently easy.
0: No, I, I mean, I think it's easier to get that information now via you know, you know, that the social isolation that may have occurred when practicing in a silo now with podcasts and the Facebook groups and all the, the social media influences help us um, understand there's a, a greater community of pr- practitioners who think a, in a similar way. That might help, but actually making that change, I, you're right, I'm sure it,
2: it, <laughs> it helps as you have experienced doing that. Yeah. I, I, I love quotes. And and there's one I use often from this book called The Web of Belief from 1978 by uh, Quinan and Ullian, and it says, desire to be right and desire to have been right are two desires, and the sooner we separate them, the better off we are. The desire to be right is the thirst for truth. On all accounts, both practical and theoretical, there's nothing but good to be said for it. The desire to have been right, on the other hand, is the pride that goeth before a fall. It stands in the way of our seeing we were wrong and thus blocks the progress of our knowledge. And I think one problem for our profession is, and I think part of that is because of of having been attacked and, and you know, let's circle the wagons and protect ourselves. We we think that somehow to admit that what we did in the past was wrong was somehow harmful to the profession. But the... But you know, and and I think it's because the profession existed in in a philosophical era of positivism that, you know, what I know today is the positive absolute truth. And and we didn't, in part, because of being outside of ac- academe, learn about post-positivism and, and get that, w- research doesn't tell us the truth. Research progressively leads us towards the truth, but we're never gonna know what the truth is and we have to be capable of throwing out the past. Um, all sciences grow by destroying past knowledge. And and we, we see that as a fundamental threat to our profession when it really ought not be.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, there's when you look at, you know, any variety of health professions, you know, things that they did 50 years ago or 100 years ago um, have, you know, they've they've typically move past a lot of those things and as for some reason as chiropractors we you know we do have this sort of inherent need to hold on to the past and and i think just as a mature health profession we need to acknowledge that you know uh, when evidence comes out that's that indicates that something isn't as you know as fantastic as we thought it would let's move on it's it's time to continue to move you know move ourselves forward
2: yeah you know, one one of sort of a constant theme uh, that i I use in classes is something and I'm going to morph it a little bit to something Bill Morgan said last week in in London is that um, certainty destroys um, curiosity and what we have to be is confident in our uncertainty and and I give complete credit to Bill Morgan president of of, of Parker Union university for that way of expressing it it was it's sort of something I think I've been teaching for 27 years and and Never expressed it as well. You know, I give the example of aspirin was patented I think it's in 1899 and it wasn't until the late 1960s when John Vane's research showed how it worked It's okay not to know how something worked as long as you know, it's effective and having and having a theory that even may pan out doesn't necessarily mean that the theory is valid. The first randomized controlled clinical trial w- was actually done in, in the 1700s by James Lind. And, and it's why we might call the British Limeys, he, he was trying to prevent scurvy. And he thought scurvy came from putrefication of food in the gut, which resulted in him giving people either vinegar or salt water or actually sulfuric acid as people that he randomized them to and, and ultimately it was two lemons and two orange I mean I think it was two lemons and two oranges those were the group that got better from scurvy and and it sort of validated for him his theory about putrefication. but in fact all it validated was that two oranges and two lemons are a cure for scurvy until what's it Saint Georgie comes up with uh with vitamin c Oh, that's,
1: uh, that's just great. Uh, Steven, I, I could talk to you all day long. Um,
2: <laughs> but there's a time <laughs> limit, so forget yeah,
1: it. So I think we're going to have to thank you for your time. And and it was just a real pleasure to have you with us today. To To our listeners, we'd like to thank you for tuning in. And and we'd like to encourage you to to subscribe to the iCare Chirocast. And you can find that on iTunes and on Spreaker. Uh, and we look forward to bringing you our next guest in a couple of weeks. Bye for now.